It's September 28th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, Republicans running for the U.S. presidency gathered last night in California, debating about how they would govern the country. But two guys who are not on that debate stage, we got to talk about them. The first is Donald Trump. Second, we will discuss the other fellow who was talked a lot about last night, Mr. Joe Biden. I'll share five polls with you that show that he is in serious political jeopardy this morning. Third, an important update for you on whether Joe Biden ever profited from his son's foreign business deals. We now know of two payments from China that are directly tied to Joe Biden's home in Delaware. Fourth, a mystery this morning for you. Former NIH official Tony Fauci went to CIA headquarters when officers there were discussing the origins of COVID. But what exactly did he do while he was there? And by the way, why was he able to pass through CIA's security system without a record of entry? Hmm, very interesting. Later, we close out the podcast with a listener question. This is from Julie in Redding, California. She wants to know some updates about how her state is handling the transgender issue. So we will discuss that. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Seven Republicans who are running for the U.S. presidency gathered together last night. A big old debate in California, which, of course, is a state that has been radically changed over the past 40 years in no small part because of illegal migration. And that was a topic of great focus last night. All seven Republicans running were against it. Also discussed the looming U.S. budget shutdown, which we will explore more tomorrow. But I'll tell you, as the debate was unfolding, there was one man who was not on that stage that was really the center of conversation and gravity, not only for the debate, but really for the Republican Party. And that, of course, is former President Donald Trump. Instead of debating in California, he was in Michigan, giving a speech to auto workers there trying to rally voters in that very critical state. As folks will recall, he won Michigan back in 2016 by a squeaker, about 10,000 votes over former First Lady Hillary Clinton. But there is another reason why Trump was not at that debate. And here it is, according to a former Trump White House spokesman who explained that, quote, he's up over his Republican opponents by anywhere from 40 to 50 points. He doesn't need to talk about any of them, end quote. And that is correct, at least on the numbers. A poll from NBC News this week shows that Trump is leading the pack of GOPers at 59 percent to the second place candidate. That is Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. He is at 16 percent. And that spread has been pretty consistent over the past six months with Trump up by big numbers. But all along, his opponents have been arguing that the real concern is what happens if Trump gets that Republican nomination because he simply cannot beat Joe Biden. But some recent polls are undercutting that argument, at least as of this morning. A real politics poll of polls shows that Donald Trump is up by 1.5 percent over Joe Biden in the general election. And when it comes to swing states, Mr. Trump's lead is even stronger. A poll out two weeks ago by Reuters News Service has Trump beating Biden in Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Nevada and Michigan. 
One other thing to ponder this morning, in case you are considering candidates other than Trump on the GOP side of things, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, she is beating Joe Biden, too, by five points nationally, 46 to 41. And that makes her the only other candidate with that kind of a strong lead. In fact, she's stronger than Trump and DeSantis both, actually. And that is why, as of this morning, from my optic, at least according to the polls, the GOP race is a three-way race between Trump, DeSantis, and Haley. Well, as that race shakes out over the coming months, I will absolutely explore more about each of those candidates and their positions. And as ever, I will be agnostic about who y'all end up voting for. But we'll see if we can't compare and contrast their positions as we all prepare to vote in next year's big election. More to come. With that, we turn to our second report of the morning with a focus on the other fella who was not on the debate stage but mentioned a lot last night. Yes, Mr. Joe Biden. We are going to take a look at where he stands with the American people this morning. And the short answer is he is not standing at all. He's fallen and he can't get up. In fact, we've got five polls with pretty good data that help explain why that is true. First, last weekend, we got a poll from NBC News that showed that Biden's disapproval rating is at the highest it has ever been. 56% of you all disapprove of Mr. Biden. And that is because, according to the poll, you think that he is doing a terrible job on the economy. He has also failed to protect the border. He is likely engaged in criminality with his son, Hunter, and he does not have the mental or physical ability to complete a second term. Next. There was a poll from the folks at Washington Post and ABC News that found that 56% of Americans also disapprove of Mr. Biden. But I'll, I'll say this, it's very interesting. Voters in this poll also said that 91% of you all believe that food prices are just crushing your budgets. And that is why 75% of you all believe that Biden is failing on the economy. Now, here's another interesting piece from the Washington Post poll. Over 60% of Democrats do not want Mr. Biden to run again for the presidency, hoping that somebody else might replace him on the ballot. Democrats, for what it's worth, do not have an idea of who this replacement should be. Uh, 8% said Kamala Harris. Uh, 8% said Bernie Sanders. And everybody else just sort of flung their hands up in the air. Well, I don't know if that's true, the flinging of hands, but they did say this, quote, just somebody else, end quote. And to that point, we have a third poll that you should know about, a very famous Democrat named Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who, of course, is the son of Bobby and the nephew of Jack Kennedy. He got 25 percent support of Democrat voters, at least that's according to a recent poll from Rasmussen reports. Now, it is true that this 25 percent support from Democrats is far behind Joe Biden. He's got 57 percent support, but it's a pretty large chunk of Democrat voters that might peel off should Mr. Kennedy decide to run as an independent and he might he told voters in south carolina and new hampshire over the past two weeks that he was considering an independent run and he would decide that by october 15th that is making senior democrats very anxious according to reports from nbc news hillary clinton and others are warning joe biden this morning that the kennedy threat well it is a threat as well as surprise candidates like senator joe manchin of west virginia but stepping back just for a second, it's pretty clear then so far that, well, Joe Biden is not popular this morning. But what about Democrats more generally? Well, as it turns out, they're too darn liberal 
At least that is according to our fourth poll this morning. It comes from Morning Consult, and that was uh, conducted about three weeks ago. And in this poll, they found that by a margin of nine points, voters see the Democrat Party as more ideologically extreme than the Republicans. In fact, 47% of Americans believe the Democrats are simply too liberal, and that is up seven points since 2020. By the way, this same poll shows that the Republican Party is viewed uh, is viewed rather as the most capable of the parties to one govern the nation, two keep the country safe, and three tackle the big issues. Which takes us to our fifth and final poll that spells trouble for Mr. Biden and Democrats. And here's the key finding. Critical parts of their electoral base are not happy with the party or Mr. Biden or frankly, the direction of the country. And that is especially true of black voters in this country, which are normally a rock solid part of the Democrat coalition. This poll showed that the voters give Biden an approval rating of 63 percent, which sounds good, but that is down from 80 percent over the past couple of years. And the same trend, it's true of Hispanic voters as well, who, of course, are another key Democrat voting bloc. Their approval numbers of Biden went from 61 percent to 43 percent this year. So all in all, folks, Mr. Biden is in serious electoral trouble this morning on, frankly, every issue from top to bottom. Now, we'll see if that remains true over the next, well, year or so. Of course, Election Day is in November of 2024, but early voting starts one year from now. More to come. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks and enjoy the following messages. Remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, you know that here on The Right Report, we talk about the mix of economic signals in America that suggest that things aren't great. Inflation remains high, interest rates too, and debt levels for both the government and consumers alike at record highs. So if you add all that up, that is financial risk, ladies and gentlemen, for people like you and me. So if you have been considering ways to diversify your investments and lower those risks, you ought to consider gold and silver and consider American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts. All it takes to get started, folks, is a short phone call. They will show you how to protect your portfolio with physical gold and silver. American Hartford Gold has a five-star rating from thousands of reviews and an A-plus ranking from the Better Business Bureau. And if you give them a call today, folks, they will give you up to $5,000 of free silver purchase dependent. So call them at this number, 866-353-2694. Or easier yet, you can text right, that's my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T, to this number, 65532. Again, text right to 65532 or call toll free at 866-353-2694. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with more news out of Washington, D.C. First, an important update on whether Joe Biden ever profited from his son's foreign business deals. And here's the upshot. We now have two payments from China proven that are directly connected to Joe Biden's home in Delaware. 
Now, this is an issue that we spoke of back on August 21st and again on September 13th. If you, if you want to re-explore those episodes with all the links to the direct and circumstantial evidence of Biden family corruption. But to refresh our memories, Mr. Biden and Democrats have said that there is simply no smoking gun that shows that Biden ever directly profited from his son or his son's foreign business deals. In fact, Mr. Biden joked over the summer when he was asked about these corruption allegations, quote, where is the money? End quote. Well, apparently it went to his house in Delaware. We're connected to it anyway. Or at least that is according to investigators who are conducting the House investigation into Biden family corruption. So here's what we know this morning with this next little bit of history. So back in the summer of 2019, as Joe Biden was running for the presidency, his son Hunter was living in California. We know that from court filings, from interviews, and in his autobiography. Now, prior to that, the summer of 2019, he had used his father's home in Delaware as his primary residency. But that summer, as Hunter was in California and lining up business deals abroad to include with his Chinese partners, well, these partners agreed to wire him some money twice for a grand total of $260,000. But here's the issue. The beneficiary address for this money on the bank account was not Hunter's address in California. It was Joe Biden's address at his home in Delaware. And that is leading Republicans on Capitol Hill to say it is one more piece of evidence showing, well, Biden family corruption, including specifically Joe Biden himself. Now, the White House is saying, no, this is all simply a misunderstanding. You see, Hunter was a drug addict and he was bouncing between houses. So he just used his dad's house as a permanent residence for his eventual transition and this transaction. Well, meanwhile, Hunter's lawyers have added this, this address thing. It's really a snafu. And it's all because Hunter's driver's license had his dad's address on it. And that is, in fact, what he used to set up the bank account where he got the Chinese cash. In other words, nothing to see here. The Biden family is clean. One problem, though, to remind us of this morning, Mr. Biden continues to say that he has never spoken to his son about his foreign business deals or any of the business partners. But yesterday, House investigators released a 2017 text message from Hunter where he described access to Joe Biden by all these foreign folks as, quote, my family's only asset, end quote. And that seems pretty darn important, especially when we consider all the information that I've shared with you previously, both direct and circumstantial, that suggests that, in fact, Mr. Biden is fully aware of what his son was up to. And that is why I'm going to keep you apprised, folks, of this ongoing investigation. More to come. Finally, this morning, a mystery. Former NIH official Tony Fauci went to the CIA at some point over the past couple of years, playing an unidentified role at the CIA's headquarters, all while the CIA staffers were working on their assessment of the origins of the COVID pandemic. Now, what exactly Mr. Fauci did there at CIA headquarters? That remains unknown. But the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic released a letter on Tuesday saying that they have information that he was there to quote, influence, end quote. Now, while that is curious and raises an eyebrow, of course, here's the part that I think that is odd. Mr. Fauci was escorted onto the CIA compound in Langley, Virginia, quote, without a record of entry, end quote. In other words, 
he got through CIA security without anyone ever recording his movements in the system that monitors who goes in and out of that CIA campus. And that is very strange. Rule breaking, actually, based on my time there, although more on that in a second. But this latest letter from Capitol Hill is leaving observers to wonder if it is connected to the CIA whistleblower that I told you about a couple weeks ago. If we recall, that person says that the agency paid off six of the seven analysts who were working to understand and explore COVID's origins. If we recall, allegedly, the six came to believe that, well, the, the virus came from China's government lab in Wuhan. But after they got some cash payments, they said, oops, we're going to change our minds. It actually came from nature, maybe a bat. So the question is whether this trip or series of trips by Fauci was perhaps connected to this alleged change of heart. Now, as listeners might know, it is possible, and that is because Mr. Fauci continues to believe that the natural origins theory, you know, stuff coming from a bat, that is the most likely one to explain the COVID outbreak. It's not the lab in Wuhan. Well, that aside, House investigators now want to know exactly what Fauci was doing at the CIA. They have requested his travel records and communications from January of 2020 to December of 2022 when Fauci retired. Now, by the way, those records should be pretty easy to pull in no small part because Mr. Fauci continues to get personal security paid for by you, the U.S. government and taxpayers, despite the fact that he is no longer a government employee. So those are the facts and data this morning. Let me pivot briefly to my analysis and opinion. Just one thing to offer you folks. It would be wildly unusual, rule-breaking, actually, to move Mr. Fauci into CIA headquarters without a record of entry. And I know that from personal experience. The only exception to that rule is because of an operational sensitivity. Unfortunately, I can't get into details of what exactly that entails, but what I can say to you beyond a shadow of a doubt is that there is no reasonable operational concern to keep Mr. Fauci's visit off the books, unless he was involved with an operation, perhaps hypothetically, an operation where the CIA was in secret collaboration with other government agencies as those agencies were funding experiments in, say, I don't know, Wuhan, China. Hmm, interesting. So more to come on this. And I tell you, I sure hope we get a lot more on this because of all people, I understand that state secrets are important, but so too is the truth. And on this one, ladies and gentlemen, we deserve it. With that, my friends, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted. And that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about jacemedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at jasemedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. 
And I'll tell you, it, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code right, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code right at jasemedical.com. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question this morning sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Julie in Redding, California, sent in a question about how her state is handling the issue of folks who believe themselves to be transgender. Julie wanted to know what's the latest, and she said this, which is very kind. Brian, I know you prefer to avoid this topic, but I appreciate how you're doing it, and thanks for bringing it up. Julie. Very nice of you, and I appreciate that. It's very sweet. So let's talk about this issue and what is happening in your state. And I think it's important to remind ourselves, folks, that we really should explore what's happening in California because for years now, California has kind of been the leader for good, bad, and ugly, you know, pushing and pulling the country politically. So we should pay attention what that state does. So let's start first with a veto. Late last week, Governor Gavin Newsom of that state vetoed Assembly Bill 957. Now, that would have mandated the judges consider a child's trans identity and give custody of that kiddo to whichever parent properly affirms that child's identity if there is a divorce proceeding. In other words, if a child wants to play with a certain set of toys or comb their hair in a certain way, well, if one parent says no and the other says yes, under this rule or law, a judge could have said in this custody fight that the child belongs to the affirming parent. Well, Governor Newsom vetoed that bill, but I'll tell you, it's not just because he disagreed with the underlying premise. He said, in part, the judges already have that authority to consider this issue in these cases. Plus, he was worried that it, well, this law might be twisted down the road to hurt trans kids, either in California or elsewhere. So that's the veto. Meanwhile, he signed three other bills that uh, Democrats and trans activists are all quite happy about. First, Governor Newsom signed something called the Safe and Supportive Schools Act. And that requires school teachers to be trained to identify parents who do not agree with their child's gender identity. Now, it's unclear what happens once a teacher decides that they have spotted a, a bad, non-affirming parent. But I think it's safe to say that we can assume it's not going to be good for that parent if they, well, desire to keep custody of their kiddo. Next, Mr. Newsom signed a law that requires foster parents in California to demonstrate a willingness to embrace a child's sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. And if not, those foster parents will not be allowed to foster a child. Finally, he signed a bill that targets schools. Now, we should talk a little bit about background here. Local school districts in California have been passing rules that, for instance, say that parents have to be notified if their child alleges that they are transgender. They're also passing rules that say that certain trans books should either be banned, limited in distribution, or that parents have to be notified first before a child is ever exposed to it. Well, Governor Newsom signed a bill that will now ban these school boards from banning books or other instructional material, quote, on the basis that it contains inclusive and diverse perspectives, end quote. In other words, schools in California now have to allow for the sharing of books about trans kids and 
in some cases, acts of intimacy between them. The most controversial of these books, by the way, is one that is called Gender Queer that has cartoons of kids engaging in sexual acts with each other and adults. Another book is called Lawn Boy, and I'm just going to leave that one there. One final bill uh, to tell you about and put on your radars, it's called Assembly Bill 665. Now, if the governor signs it, it's going to allow trans minors to be treated by mental health professionals without parental consent or notification. And any blocking of parents who might otherwise be involved, well, that's going to be determined either by the child or by the counselor. In other words, that counselor has to decide and indeed determine if the parent's involvement might be, quote, inappropriate, end quote. So as far as I can tell, that bill remains on the governor's desk. It it did pass the state Senate and the Assembly back on September 6th and 7th, respectively. So I'll keep my eye on that. So, Julie, there is the latest on how your state is dealing with this issue. I'm going to leave it to you to decide whether it is good news or not. But if I were a parent in California, collectively putting all these bills together, I would be alarmed that my right to raise my child as I see fit is being pretty profoundly degraded this morning. In fact, I'm not so sure that I would stay in California to gamble ultimately on whether or not my alarm was justified. Folks, if you'd like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it's easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up, and at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.